This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack, life, culture, theology. For 2019! <laughs> Who saw 2019 coming? Oh my gosh, not me. Not me. Totally out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a conversation where we save the best and burn the rest of our culture and our faith practices. My name's Jesse. And my name's Josh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. We're doing this for a second year. What? Yeah. We actually did something and it ended up working and it ended up coming to a second year? Yeah, it's crazy. And we got so many new things this year for you guys to check out as well. Um, yeah, we've just got, as you've probably been hearing over the last few episodes, we've been sponsored by The Haystack, which is awesome. Yeah. Money! <laughs> They're just like throwing ma- money at us with like a, you know, one of those money throwing machines. It's not like that at money all. Money guns? Okay. Note guns? No, it hasn't been like that. It's pretty modest, but it is really helpful because it helps us to be able to pay for all the boring things that we have to pay for, like web hosting and website and all those stuff that you need. Yeah. Speaking of web hosting, yeah, we have a website, burnthehaystack.org. Yeah, so we would love it if you guys would check that out. If, if so many people go on there that it crashes, even better. Oh, that if it crashes, that's that'd be so funny. <laughs> it would be. It probably it won't happen. But if it does, I'm gonna laugh. Yeah. Um, we're kind of setting the website up as sort of the one-stop shop. Like obviously we've had social media forever, but the website is sort of the thing that we're setting up as like if anybody goes, well, how do I listen to your podcast? Burnthehaystack.org. So if you talk about it to people and they ask where do I find this, just say burnthehaystack.org. Yeah. And um, if you go on the website, you'll actually see where uh, trying at least to start a little blog on yeah. there too. So um, yeah, you can, if for those of, you know, if you have people who are sort of interested in what's going on here, but they're not really podcast people, we're sort of venturing into, well, what does it look like to burn haystacks in blog format? Yeah. Um, look out, New York Times. <laughs> we're coming for you, boy. Yeah. So um, stay tuned to, to that. Um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Neither of us are really like... Well, Jesse's more of a writer than I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've both written for the for the record. That's yeah. a that's a pretty big achievement. Um, we're both published authors in the uh, Adventist, I guess, worldwide SPD that's magazine. A, I've never actually thought about it. I've published one article, and yeah. I so that makes me a published author. That makes you a published author. You are a published author. That is so crazy. I'm going to put that in my Instagram description. You can put that in your LinkedIn profile. Oh, true. Not that anybody ever uses LinkedIn anymore. Are you t- I showed up in two searches this week, according to LinkedIn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> those those headhunters, they're after you, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, no, look, look, we're super excited for everything 2019. Um, as, as we mentioned, you know, Josh is about to move away. Uh, I just finished crying. Uh, so now I think I'm good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great year. We're super excited for what this year has to bring. And we have a super amazing um, episode to begin that year. Yeah, we got to sim- sit down with my amazing cousin, Nimrod. I love that he looks like my amazing cousin. Yes, he's my cousin, everyone. <laughs> Maybe for our next episode, we can sit down with my cousin, Nathan. He doesn't 
he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't think if he does, what up? What up, my dude? <laughs> I haven't seen him for like three years. <laughs> but no, but no. Um, yeah, Nimrod, for those of you who know Nims, you know um, that he's an amazing pastor. Um, he has done a lot of incredible work in uh, in church ministry in the uh, sort of North New South Wales, greater Sydney sort of area. He's a Sydney boy, uh, grew up and um, became a Christian, uh, was involved in the business world for, for many, many years, then transitioned over to pastoral ministry. Um, Josh and I both studied with him and have done a little bit of work here and there with him over the years. Um, he's married to one of your cousins or your wife's My cousin. wife's cousin. Your wife co- wife's cousin. So, yeah. yeah, the relation is, as he said in the interview, if you're related anyway, you're family. Yeah, that's how that's how uh, Samoan culture works and I love it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly, I love sort of the, the note that we start on for 2019 we talk about um hero making we talk about discipleship we talk about pride we talk about all sorts of things so um yeah this is a banger honestly absolutely yeah so look i don't want to hold us back anymore let's get to the interview i know that you're going to love this um everybody without further ado here is our interview with the wonderful the amazing nimrod mal Nimrod, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Man, we have been waiting for this for so long. We've been trying to track you down, trying to get you, corner you, and we finally have you. <laughs> you finally trapped me, bro. So I'm here. Yeah, I had to pull, everybody, just so you know, I had to pull the cousin card on this one because Nimrod <laughs> and I are technically related. So yeah, it's a, it's a family favor. I love how you said That's technically it. related. Well, <laughs> it's through a couple of marriages, so it's, you know. <laughs> hey, to us, to us Islanders, man, that's, that's family. That's true. Sorry, you are family. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're only 30 seconds in and yet this is a, you know, beautiful, warm moment. <laughs> cue the music, Jesse, cue the music. <laughs> oh, bro. All right. So, hey, all right. Down to business. Nims, it is great yes. to have you here. Um, but for the rest of our podcast family who may not know who you are, would you be able to give us a quick introduction to the world of um, Nimrod? Who are you? Um, where'd you come from? I know you have like an amazing story and we don't have heaps of time to, to get on that. But maybe if you want to hit some of the high notes, um, just to give people a feel for, for who you are and where you fit into the picture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my name's Nimrod and uh, I've married to one beautiful wife, uh, Renee. We have five great children and four boys, one girl. And I grew up in Sydney, in Australia, uh, down in the Western Sydney. I guess for some areas around the world, it's called the ghetto. Um, I had fun growing up there. Taught me a lot of life skills. Uh, I came up through sales, uh, corporate business, and then felt the call to ministry, made my way to college. Uh, Avondale in second semester of 2009 and graduated 2013 and this is my fifth year in ministry now and uh, enjoying every moment of it. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, um, I guess just quickly, what, what do you think 
What do you think was it that sort of called you from from business um, to ministry? What was what was that transition like? It was a crazy transition. Um, I guess you know it's just one of those supernatural moments that kind of woke me up a bit, and so spoke to my wife. Felt I felt like I was in the presence of God and being called to ministry. And so when I came, there's a lot of principles um, from from business that you can bring into ministry. Um, and so for me, I feel like I've prepared me for ministry, but also the way that God trained me through uh, sales and, and, and business, um, it just went hand in hand. And I, I use a lot of what I learned growing up uh, in pastoral ministry, and it's kept me in good stead. Mm. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I've always admired about you, Nims, because uh, I started college in 2012, so I was kind of there for the, the tail end of your um, of your your studying at, at Avondale. Um, but I've always, when I went into ministry, I didn't realize, I just thought it was Bible studies and sermons and visitations. Like, yep. that's, that's what I thought the pastoral ministry was. <laughs> um, very naively, might I add. <laughs> Um, but I, I, as soon as I, um, I entered, I got this feeling from you, from our mutual, um, friend and mentor, Dr. Wayne Krauss, that actually yep. there's a lot more to ministry than just, um, yeah, those very classical things. And I love the way that you've embraced your, um, lessons in leadership, in management, in, um, in vision from the business world into the, uh, the ministry world. Uh, for those, for those maybe who are studying ministry or are thinking about ministry, or maybe they're young in ministry, how is how has those um, principles actually practically helped you navigating the world of ministry as a as a pastor? I know that's a big question, so you can attack it any way you want. Yeah, um, it's a huge question, but in in leadership um, in the business world, they teach you obviously to to just be organized. Uh, to to plan well, uh, preparation is everything. Um, strategic thinking is everything, um, and really the only difference when you become a pastor is adding the spiritual element uh, to it. Uh, not that it wasn't there from the beginning as a Christian, uh, but as a pastor, you you probably lean more to the, your preparation spiritually first. Where in business, it's all about strategic planning. Um, and so that's probably the main difference. But in terms of being a pastor and, and taking that, those principles across, it just helps you to navigate um, chairing meetings, um, being able to see ahead, you know, two years, five years, so that you can plan in the present um, the correct things to do. Um, because there's nothing worse than executing and answering the wrong question for a long mm -hmm. time. And so my experience has taught me to, to do the right things and do the right things well. Um, so it just enables you to work within your skill set as well. So that's probably one of the benefits where I don't feel like I have to be, uh, you know, the, the master of many things. I just work within my lane and, and then empower others to be in the other lanes that I'm not gifted in. So. Mm. Yeah, the other thing as well that I've noticed about you, um, which has actually inspired me as well, is that you are a, a voracious reader. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd met anybody who consumed as, as many books and, you know, leadership material um, before I met you. Uh, what, what sort of uh, leadership material books in the last year or, or maybe it's not books, maybe it's whatever else, podcasts, articles, blog posts, have um, been influencing you in your leadership? Um, yeah. Yeah, like uh, I love to read, but that's college. College cursed me. Um, <laughs> you know, they're the ones that <laughs> got me to read. Uh, you know, years ago when it came to reading, uh, I would just put my head on my, my wife's lap and she would read to me. That's how, <laughs> that's how good at reading I was. Um, but look, um, with leadership, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I read across the board a fair bit. Um, so there's been a few good books that have really impacted me lately. Uh, Hero Maker by uh, Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird. That has really changed the game for me um, coming into that book. You've got um, the classics like Stephen Covey, uh, Smart Trust, um, Turn the Ship Around by uh, David Marquette, uh, Snakes in Suits. Um, that, that's a good. That's a great book. Mm. Yeah, so there's a fair few that I've read uh, in recent time that's really changed the course on on how I lead here at um, Avondale College Church. That's awesome. For uh, for our our pastors listening, because we do have a few pastors who like to listen. Um, I don't know if they're just checking in on us <laughs> or if it's because they genuinely like it. Um, but what would what would you say? Okay, first, so we're just, this is our first podcast for 2019. If you were to recommend like the top book for pastors in 2019, what would your recommendation be? Look, for me, it'll be two books. So Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird. Yep. Um, Hero Maker is just uh, a, a new 2018 term for discipleship. Oh, cool. uh, I, I think the way that they've structured the book is really close to, to biblical principles in discipleship. Um, but, you know, it will, it will challenge the standard or I guess the staunch Adventist because it wasn't written by an Adventist. But if you, if you can take those lenses off and read the book for what it is, um, it's a really good process for discipleship. And the, to accompany that is just um, Andy Stanley's Deep and Wide, mm. um, so just enabling your churches to be um, uh, um, more, more, I guess, focused on those that are spiritually seekers yeah. Um, yeah. so that yeah. you can um, you know, expect them to be coming to your church. So those two books I would read and, and just really um, implement them in, in their churches. Um, can we talk about Hero Maker for a moment? Mm. Yep. Uh, what's what's the basic? Um, I know you've sort of touched on it already. What's the basic thesis of the book, and why has it been so impactful? Because mm, I should add as well, you're actually the second person on this podcast to recommend the book, but we didn't drill on it, drill in on it with the first person. The first person was Ben Reynolds. <laughs> so congratulations! Oh, you get, yep, to be yep. the, you get to be the driller. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Um, look. The, it's, there's a few big ideas. The thing about the book, because pastors are short of time, so the brilliant thing, you can go to the back of the book and it's got um, the main big ideas for every chapter. Oh. So it's in bite size. And, and then it's treatable quotes on the back as well. So if you don't want to read the whole book in detail, you can get a snapshot right at the back of the book. But in essence, it talks about how you've got Batman, and you've got um, Alfred, and Alfred is the guy that's in the background, and uh, and he tends to 
you know, Batman's needs. He creates all the weaponry. He's the brains behind it. Um, and so Batman is really, he can't be Batman unless Alfred is there. Mm. And so for most leaders and most pastors, they desire to be Batman. But hero makers want to be Alfred. Um, and so the big idea for, for hero makers is that you don't want to be the hero, but you want to be a hero maker, um, which is discipleship. Uh, obviously, God is the biggest. He's the ultimate hero maker. Jesus examples, you know, he exemplifies that and how he mm. makes heroes of his disciples. And so we're just, you know, jumping into that narrative and making heroes of others. And so hero makers are, are, are leaders that create platforms and put other people on it. Mm. And um, and while that sounds romantic, it's it's quite challenging, but in its essence, it's discipleship. Mm. Uh, it's just got a new term called hero makers, and we've found that our young people have drawn to that title. Mm. Um, and discipleship and discipling is kind of like a swear word now. So, wow, <laughs> wow. But that's that. That's the big idea of the book. It's it's yeah. it just challenges you to think so big and so out of the ordinary that. You know, if your current dream and vision doesn't require God, it's too small. You know, wow. and if it's if you've got all the resources, all the people, then you're dreaming too too small. And so the book really just challenged me to to think um, beyond the walls of Avondale College Church. Um, so it's a really good read. Highly recommend it. So cool. What do you? I've I've got a thought here, which is just forming in my head. But as you as you talk, and I I love that you <laughs> kind of mentioned the fact that we're celebrity pastors at the beginning, because we're obviously not. But <laughs> but but there are celebrity pastors out there, even within our faith tradition. What is wh- if if people are to embrace this ideal? What is this going to do to the celebrity pastor? In terms, uh, if they, if they embrace this idea, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the challenge. You know, the whole celebrity pastor, in essence, wants to be Batman. They want to be in the spotlight, I guess. And so if they were to implement hero makers, they got to learn to work in the shadows, in the background. Uh, they got to learn to to be okay with other people getting the credit. And, you know, when a team are not concerned about who gets the credit, they can achieve great things. Um, and that's what the Hero Maker book is, is, is all about, is championing everybody within their gift set um, and just sending them out and, and, and working within what God has gifted them with. So, yeah, it, it will kill the celebrity pastor status because <laughs> the whole purpose of being a hero maker is not to be the hero, but to be a hero maker of others. So Yeah, that's awesome. Man, I'm okay. I need to get on this book. I'm, I've waited too long. <laughs> yeah. It sounds challenging, but at the same time, it just sounds so right. Because like, I don't know, this year I've stepped into lead pastor role, whereas I was just associate pastor intern for two years. And I've just just felt the immense pressure. Like my church is small, but I've just felt this immense pressure of being, I guess, people seeing me as as the hero in a way. It, not that like I, I am comfortable with that term, but... Yep. It's like pastor, pastor, what do we do sort of thing? And I'm like, man, am I, am I just the superstar leading the way? Um, and I like that I don't have to be because that seems more right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's the term hero can be challenging for some Adventists because they're like, oh, isn't God the hero? 
And, you know, God is the ultimate hero and Jesus is the ultimate hero maker in how he empowered people. Um, and so we're just following in his footsteps in, in being hero makers of, of our team members. And it, it, it is, while it sounds romantic, in essence, it is very difficult to do um, because for many pastors, they want to be liked. You know, they want to be loved. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't want to be criticized or told that they're doing a, a bad thing. So I discovered in doing this um, for this year, uh, it really hit my pride. Um, and that was something I didn't see coming. Um, so in essence, I thought, how am I going to live this book out with with Alex? Uh, who you guys know, Alex Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So I thought, well, if I'm going to be a true hero maker, how do I do this with him? Do I make him a standard associate pastor where he just does all the jobs that I don't want to do? Um, you know, wash my car, you know, get my, <laughs> do my washing. You know. That seems like a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. You know, send him out to go get my coffee and stuff. Um, you know, do I do that or do I, do I really implement this hero maker that inspired me when I was at Exponential uh, in Florida? So I, I decided to take it serious. So I, I spoke with Alex and I said, I don't want you to be an associate pastor. I want you to be the lead pastor of Avondale College Church. And so I gave him the authority over the pulpit and that he was to choose who got to speak at the pulpit, uh, what things we were going to do, church family. Um, I, I guided him in chairing the meetings uh, of our board meetings I made him chair of our nominating meetings, uh, our business meetings. So everywhere in Churchland, where the rubber meets the road, he is the lead pastor uh, of all those ministries. And so while that sounded great and I felt that I was an empowering leader, what I wasn't prepared for was that, guess who got all the the, the compliments and the gratitude and the thank yous? <laughs> and it was Alex. Yeah. You know, yeah. Alex is this, Alex is that. Praise God for Alex. <laughs> He's the nice guy. Yeah. And so here I am being a hero maker in the shadows. And, <laughs> and, and my, my, you know, my, my, my pride takes a hit. And so I was confronted with this pride. And so I took some time out so I could just go and be with God and say, hey, I need, I need help to check this because now I wanted to try and break, break him down and, and, and expose his weaknesses because – he was getting all the, the praise. And so I needed to check that as a leader because I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to, to stay the course. And so once I dealt with my pride, I was able to come back to the team and say, look, here's our goal. We want to be hero makers. But I've just learned that while it's a good thing, you need to check your pride. And then I took them through the journey of what happened with me and, and Alex and and so the whole team was like, oh, okay, so if we are going to live this out, we have to all check our pride and not be worried about who gets the credit so that we can do great things for the kingdom of God. So Hero Maker sounds great, but the first thing I challenge people with it is learn to check your pride and you'll be able to do amazing things throughout the Hero Maker process. Wow, that is so powerful. Did the the hero maker process stop with Alex? I'm I'm just curious as to how that works in sort of a transference sense. Yeah, great question. So no, it, it just filtered throughout our whole church. So Alex is in 
charge of a team called, that we've called uh, Monday Madness, a group of leaders that give crazy hours in volunteer above and beyond their nine to five. And, and so they make everything happen, you know, on the worship service and during the week. And so Alex leads that team. And so he makes heroes of them. And then that team have heroes within their ministries. And so in particular, we have one ministry called First Impressions, which is our welcoming team. And so that we could have anywhere from 20 people to 40 people serving in that team. Mm. And our leader there is John Venegas. And so he's probably one of our ministry leaders that is doing hero making um, the best at the moment. And where he's got layers of leaders because he's growing them, um, because he's following the hero maker process. And, he, and, he's, and the more layers he adds to his leadership, the more in the background John is. Mm. And so I'm watching this man that was at the front of his ministry when we launched it last year. But this year I've seen him more and more in the background because he's made heroes of other, other ministry leaders um, that can take, his, take care of his ministry. So it's starting to filter out throughout the church. Um, all of next year, our sermon theme for the year is called Hero Maker. Nice. And so the whole year, we're just going to be preaching into it, teaching into it, growing leaders to, to catch the vision of that we don't exist to serve ourselves, but to grow others. And then those people to continue on the hero making process. Wow. So can I, I ask them that, I guess with, with what Alex is doing, um, he's sort of doing all the sort of classic things that a pastor would be doing. So then I guess a lot of people like myself are wondering, so what is your job looking like now, Nimrod? Absolutely. Yeah, great question. So um, two things, you know, for, for Alex, uh, when I saw the potential in him uh, and then he started living his potential, I thought to myself, wow, this, this kid is, is, is a, going to be a great pastor for the church one day. And so I knew there would be a day in the near future where they will come knocking and say that they need to move him because that's what they do to the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> they just take him. And so for me to combat that, I can say, well, look, well, he's actually got um, the responsibilities of a senior pastor um, now. So, you know, when they come knocking on my door saying he needs to learn how to be a senior pastor, I can say, well, he's actually learning that now. So don't touch him, leave him here. The second one uh, for me was, my role had to change. And so um, my for me, I want you to imagine you're driving down on the freeway uh, and Brock and I, you know, we travel a lot to ministers meetings, you know, along the freeway heading up to Stewart's Point. And so a lot of the times I'm sitting in a passenger seat and I can see the copper that's ahead. Every time there's a copper, I can always see it. Okay, Brock, there's a copper up ahead and he slows down. Right? <laughs> dramatically right <laughs> dramatically you know and um and so he every time he slows down, he never sees it he always goes to me i don't see those those coppers you always see it. you never miss it and so i explained to him because i'm teaching him how to be a, a a lead visionary i said to him that's what a lead visionary does is that we are able because we've got a lead pastor we are able to sit outside of that craziness and look ahead to all the obstacles that the church may face in the future so that I can then go to Alex and say this is the church forward so that by the time we hit this obstacle, we'll be prepared for it and we'll be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of my job as a lead visionary to, to look ahead at the obstacles. If there's funding that's needed, I'm in charge of that. I've got to go out and find money for it. 
we needed $40,000. I went out, got it. Um, so that's my job is the big picture stuff. And, and how do we get the church moving forward? Uh, are we doing the right things? And are we doing it well? So that's my job now. Wow. That's crazy, but also exciting because what you're talking about is kind of a paradigm. It's, it's a major paradigm shift in church ministry. Um, a lot of a lot of the time, you know, the lead pastor is expected to do all of that. Do you, the way that you're seeing life just from your chair right now, do you see that as being something that needs to go away? It, does every church need a lead visionary or are you just, just simply experimenting and seeing what works and it might change tomorrow, it might not? What do you see the future for this paradigm being? Because it's unique. Yeah, um, honestly, we kind of failed our way here. Um, it was kind of out of necessity on, on how we needed to operate at Avondale College Church because it's not like any other church. Um, I, you know, the previous church uh, was a campus church, but Avondale College Church is a, is a unique beast um, in itself. And so, we, you know, for me, you know, it's all about systems. It's all about effective structures. And so it, it was birthed out of that, out of that tension. Uh, and, and what's the best practice uh, for myself and Alex to move this church forward? And so we looked at it and felt that it was important for Alex to have his lane and make sure that was clear so that he could, you know, lead that lane. And then I had my own lane uh, that I could lead so that, you know, we weren't getting confused and trying to do everything and then achieve nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how it was birthed. But if you were to take it to a 30-member uh, church out in the country, um, you know, obviously you won't have an, a, an associate. You'll be one man probably across two or three churches, but the same principles can apply. Um, you would empower somebody that could do the lead pastor role in your church so that you could be more visionary to see, you know, what's best for this church moving forward. Because um, a lot of the times as pastors, you get so caught working in the ministries that you don't have the time to work on it. Yeah, And wow. so, so Alex is working in it and pushing all our ministries forward with the leaders. And I'm the one that's able to be one step removed working on it and looking at how do we train them? How do we equip them? Um, you know, where do we need to challenge the church? Uh, how do we grow our, you know, our giving? How do we, how do we get another pastor? And so we need, we knew we needed a third pastor and it needed to be a children's pastor. And so Alex didn't have to worry about that because that's my job. And so next year, we have a graduate from this year, Michaela Truscott, who will begin with us, her internship, and she she will be our children's pastor. Um, and so I was able to pull that off with our conference. So, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. So I guess um, thinking through, I mean, it just sounds like so incredible and I'm really keen to sort of keep tabs on how this whole thing keeps unfolding. Um so what was it like, I guess, when you f- when you first came to College Church? Um, like, what was the response to you go- to go- to you going there and stepping into all this? Because you're most of the pastors who go to College Church have a lot more ministry experience and that sort of thing than what you had when you initially went there. Yeah, absolutely. I came to College Church. Uh, it was my fourth year being out in the field. Uh, granted, uh, I was you know I'm in my late thirties. Like I just turned forty this year. Um, so I was an older guy coming in, 
Uh, but in terms of ministry, I still felt like I was on my, my L plates, um, you know, coming into this, this beast called College Church. Um, and there was word, when I got called, there was a lot of word around that how can they send um, an unordained minister to, to be the senior pastor of College Church, <laughs> you know. And so when I came, my first Sabbath, I, I rocked up with my family um, a few people knew I was coming, so I just wanted to come in, you know, kind of, you know, incognito, so I could just get a temperature feel of the place. And somehow, they found out that I was there, and the lady that was praying said, oh, and we know Pastor Lim is in the building somewhere. We pray for him and his family. <laughs> so after the service, I see all these heads looking for this islander, you know, with a Caucasian <laughs> wife and five kids, you know. And, and they, so we were easy to spot. And, uh, and I tell you what, that was my first Sabbath, and there was a lineup of people. And it was crazy, people telling me to align with them um, wow. because the, if, you, if I align with them, you know, I'll, I'll be able to have success in ministry uh, I had an older guy tell me that I, I would only last six months. Like he just looked me up Ooh. and down and say, oh, yeah, you, you'll last here six months. Uh, wow. Other people telling me, you know, no one comes to this church and, you know, is successful. So that was my first taste of college church. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I went home with my my family and I was freaking out. Uh, um, and, and I God saying, you've sent me here to fail, um, so thank you very much, uh, because that was my first Sabbath and um, at College Church. So, yeah, that was my introduction. <laughs> wow. Oh my so, That's so heavy. What did those first few months look like? Because I, I, I can't imagine they were easy. No, it was, uh, I'll be honest, man, like the first five, six months, uh, it, it was difficult. Like um, that was the first time uh, I felt like, ever in my, in my short time in ministry wanting to quit. Um, I, was, I was tested from all angles. Uh, it, was, it was difficult because you had different um, factions in the church that had influence. Um, and so they were all trying to, to fight, you know, for my allegiance. Um, but in the end, while it was muddy and it was difficult for me, I, I just set out with my associate pastor at the time, Pastor Steve, we just went visiting because I needed to find out what was going on. And so it was just visiting all the people that um, I discovered some important things. And that was that, you know, the senior people felt like they were, they didn't have a place here. They felt like um, previously they were told that they could just, you know, if they didn't like it, they could go. Um, they were, they were, the people were, feeling a lot of pain because there wasn't many students at College Church um, and the students lost faith in College Church being their home. Um, you know, there was anguish over, you know, we had a group of people that were leading in our worship space and, and it, a large part of the church felt like they had a stranglehold and they weren't letting anyone, you know, come into that, into that space. And so now I realised what I was facing. Uh, I was facing a broken church, a church that was lost, a church that just really needed healing. And, you know, one of the things I was taught in the, my previous life 
was whenever I had to go to a retail shop to fix it, the first thing, the first rule they teach you is to look before you lead. You know, don't just go in there and make suggestions because uh, one, you know, what worked in one place might not work in another context. And so for me, that's what I started to do. I was looking before I lead, and I discovered these things when I was visiting. And then I just began my ministry attacking those things, confronting those things. Um, how was I going to get more students to church? You know, how am I going to tell the seniors that they are valuable and, and know it's not good enough that for them to leave, that, that they have a place here? Uh, how was I going to get more students involved in the worship space here at College Church? And, and that meant that I had to confront some influential people. It meant that I had to remove people from leadership. It meant that I had to replace people. Um, you know, from from different positions. And that's not easy because you're hurting people. But I knew that I was making the right decisions and um, I would make those decisions, go home, curl up in a ball, cry, get angry at God, mm. you know, and then come back to work and make another tough decision. Um, wow. But, you know, uh, the church has uh, moved on to better, better, uh, I guess, greener grass um, and... It's only been two years since I've been here, but we're in a better place, um, and and you know, all glory to God. So, yeah, amen. amen. Wow. How how do you have those hard conversations? Because I know that's something that all pastors have to face at some point. A lot of church leaders, professionals, if you're working in a school or a church, um, you'll have to have a hard conversation with somebody to either replace them or to. I guess, for all intents and purposes, fire them, or um, yep. how do you how do you approach those situations? Absolutely, good question. I I had to hire and fire people in my previous um, positions before I became a pastor, and as a shy introvert, that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I I learned how to do it through different mentors, and one of the biggest thing for me that I learned when you're firing somebody, was to to do it with integrity, uh, even though it's a tough thing to do, and to be as open as you possibly can uh, in, that, in that process. So I just brought that with me. And so I would sit down with somebody that I had to um, remove from a position and, and replace them. I would sit down with them and I would tell them the honest truth and just say, look, this is what I'm confronting. Uh, this, this is the challenges, and I believe that if I reposition you, it's going to allow the church to heal and move forward. And so I'm coming to you, you know, as your pastor, you know, would you would you be okay to be replaced? Or if I had to say, you know, I need you to step down, you know, for six months and work over here in this area. But I just found just be open um, and, and honest with it. But you have to confront the, the tough things because if you don't, it will come back and bite you. Mm. No. Now, that's a good word. And I think a lot of people probably need to hear that. I know as, as a pastor, many of us are tend to be uh, conflict averse. Um, we don't want to face up to conflict. We want to avoid it. We want to just appease people and make things happy. Um, but I guess as you probably know all too well, when we appease people, as you said, oftentimes these wounds just fester and they grow worse and they end up causing all sorts of pain that um, I guess could have been avoided. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
and make sure you get your your board and your elders on, you know, um, on board with your decision. And because sometimes you might think, you know, as the pastor, you can go out, you know, kamikaze style and make the decision and remove somebody, and then you'll find yourself standing there starkest, you know, with your pants down because your board and elders weren't aware of your decision. And um, but if you've got them on board and you've told them why and they can see the logic behind it and, and they'll stand behind you, then you can go with all confidence with that um, with those tough conversations. And even if that person gets upset and makes threats, which many of them did for me uh, last year, um, you can still sleep at night knowing that uh, it wasn't just your decision, but you know other people on the board and your elders uh, agreed with it. And so, yeah, that's one thing you got to make sure before you go out and have these tough conversations. I guess I'm, I'm also thinking of people who aren't in like church leadership positions, not, you know, they're not pastors um, or elders or anything. Um, but I think a lot of people really do struggle with having tough conversations with people yeah, um, like that and, and confronting things kind of almost that idea of confronting the darkness and um, confronting evil. Yeah. Um, what do you, I guess, and I don't, know, I don't know if you will have an answer for this, but what do you recommend for people to, if somebody needs to confront something in their life, uh, I guess what would be your advice in learning to confront hard situations better? And how to confront them? Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's difficult, eh? Like, honestly, yeah. the, the, it's, it's really just, it's having the courage to do it. And, and once you've done it, um, it's... It does get a bit easier the, the more you have these tough conversations. But sometimes when you're first starting out, you may want to have other people, you know, present. Um, so you might want to bring somebody for you as a witness and somebody else for the um, for whoever you're going to speak to. Uh, that can help. You know, if it's just one-on-one, it can get messy uh, sometimes. But there isn't any real, I guess, uh, steps. It's really just finding the right time to meet with that person, and and just help holding that holding that conversation. And but yeah, I, I've not had anybody tell me if you follow these steps, you'll be able to come out the other end. Yeah. Um, all I know is you know you look you read Judges, and God tells them you know the Israelites go in there and annihilate the people, and then He adds the women and children, and we go, oh my goodness. That's, you know, we wrestle with that. But then when you follow the story further down and you get to 1 Samuel 17, and there's Goliath. But if the people had obeyed, made the tough decision back in Judges, there's no Goliath. And wow. so <laughs> my mentor tells me, he goes, see, if you, don't make the, if you make the tough decision, then there'll be no Goliath in, 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 in your future, you know. And so I've kind of taken that from my mentor and go, every time there's a tough conversation that I have to have, what are the potential giants that will pop up in, in my future if I don't? And I look at that, you know, is it a hill worth dying on? If those giants are real, then I'm going to hold that conversation um, and, and have it because I don't want to have to face uh, a Goliath because I was uh, too afraid to hold a conversation. Wow. That's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's not mine. <laughs> Just claim it, man. Stole it from the mentor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, 
any other any other lessons from the last two years that you wouldn't mind sharing um, from leadership, life, family? Um, take your pick, whatever you like. Yeah, look, um, one of the biggest things uh, in pastoral ministry that I've learned, you know, through the Hero Maker is just in, empowering leadership is is a difficult thing to do. Um, you know, trusting trusting people um, to to lead, and you just got to give people you know permission to fail, and that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. Is so here at College Church from last year, we have a saying when we talk about something new that we're going to do. That look, we're, we're going to give this a go, but just remember, if we fail, we fail forward. Mm-hmm. And so, just in that one church permission that hey, we're going to give this a crack, but if we get it wrong, we'll tweak it and we keep failing forward. And so that just allows people to dream, to have their own personal vision and how they can bring that to church. And so, um, you know, for us, we needed to try and win students back, and so we had to put a big case to the campus to say, how are we you know, going to bring these students to church? And so one of the big things was just us going to them and saying, sorry, you know, that we were kind of exclusive as a college church, uh, that we were building our own kind of kingdom and not really bringing them in to be part of God's kingdom. And then when they started to come back to church, it, now it was about how do we empower them and how do we trust them? And so a lot of these students wanted to serve, and, you know, they're, they're all on their, their own spiritual journey, some mature than others. We knew that we, if they wanted to serve, we had to empower them, we had to train them, equip them, and then just allow them to fail forward. And because of that, you know, we, we have, um, you know, more than 200 students come on a Saturday. Uh, we've got students involved right throughout our ministries. Um, next year, students have been nominated in key leadership positions. And, you know, one of the biggest things for us as a college church is last year's graduating class, they get to give a gift back to the college and they gave the gift to college church. Wow. You know, because they felt, uh, and they gave it in, uh, specifically to Rejuve, you know, because mm-hmm. they just felt like the college was their home um, and they were proud that, you know, college church was a place where they could call their own. And so we, we started to have students come back in their break to college church, uh, which was really amazing. And so this year, we've, we had graduation on Saturday just passed, and the graduation class gift, again, came to college church. They gave us a, a brand new um, first impressions desk because wow. they see value in first impressions. And yeah, again, yeah. their testimony was that this is their church, this is their home. And, you know, these group of students are spiritually thirsty and, and College Church was able to partner with them, empower them, grow them. But I think the biggest thing was trusting them with leadership and just with two words, hey, go, go forth, you know, go ahead. Yeah. And just remember, if you get it wrong, learn from it, own it, and, fight, you know, just understand that you failed forward, keep moving. And so that's how we've been able to win a large part of the student body back to the church. Uh, and you know what? Our church that was hurting, they tell me all the time, I don't understand the music, Pastor Nim. 
I don't, I don't get it. You know, I wish we could have the organ and the hymns, <laughs> you know, that's because, you know, college church, it's always about that high worship, you know, the, yeah, the orchestra. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm a hymns guy. Don't get me wrong. Like that's, that's, that's what I love. But the oldies are like, but if I see the students up there worshiping and they're plugged into church, I don't care what music they play. You know, and so that's where the church is at now. It's just about growing these uh, our students and pouring into them because we understand our calling that if we can get um, our students plugged into church, we impact the whole of the South Pacific because that's where these students are going. So it's not just about college church. There's a greater vision uh, for college church in that we get to influence the SPD because these students are going to go out to the SPD and be nurses or teachers or pastors or, you know, outdoor rec people. And, and if they can go with a healthy picture of church, then we've done our job. But that all starts with empowering leadership. And so that's the other thing that I've learned um, being here at College Church. That is so cool. Um, yeah, and a pretty big shift, I guess, from when I was at college. Like it was a very different picture of College Church it was much more... Um, let us teach you how to do church rather than you are sort of transitioning to, no, we do church together. Like, let me empower you guys to be church here. Yeah. It's really powerful. Um, any, uh, just sort of as we're coming close to, to wrapping up, um, any anything, I, I guess, like what have you noticed about sort of this generation of students? Like anything interesting you've noticed about this particular generation? There's two big things about this generation that I've noticed uh, working here on campus. The first thing is they are spiritually thirsty. And what I mean by that is that they they just want to know more of God and they want more of His presence. And not just in worship and, 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 and praise uh, and songs, but they want to know the Word. They want to get into it. You know, they want to be in a life group. They want to grow spiritually. Uh, they want to be able to to, you know, go into the world and, and make an impact for the kingdom of God. So that's what I've noticed of this generation. The second thing I've noticed is that you cannot mess with this generation because of social media. You know? <laughs> yeah. If they've got a beef with you, they take to social media and and then before you know it, um, you know, those that are in influential positions take notice, um, you know. And so, you know, one example we had, you know, a lot of our students, you know, were unhappy with, you know, with our leaders that were over there at the, the general conference um, council recently. Yeah. Because across the PD of people that spoke from the floor, there was zero, you know. And, and so for this generation, you can't mess with them because my generation, the generation before, we just took whatever, you know, because we just had this... Um, we just respect our authorities and our leaders, you know. But this generation took to social media. And and before we knew it, we were able to have, um, you know, Glenn Townen, you know, our SPD president here at college holding a forum. And then we had uh, George Munoz, who's our union president, holding a forum. And, you know, these two men, credit to them, you know, for having the courage to come to college yeah. uh, and, to hold, and to hold these these forums and stand in the firing line while our young people just went at them. And, um, but they got that forum because this is a generation that you, 
it can not, um, because th the power of social media. So they're the two things um, that I've noticed about this generation is that they are spiritually thirsty um, and they want to be used for the kingdom of God. And you don't want to mess with them because of the power of social media. Mm. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So powerful. Hey, um, we're coming to the end now, but Nims, do you have any final um, thoughts if uh, you're talking to, to church leaders, to people who are um, in church positions, but we're, you're also talking to a lot of people who um, probably don't consider themselves regular churchgoers. Um, maybe they consider themselves bad Ventists or bad Christians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, any final thoughts? Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Look, I just, I just think um, uh, a lot of the things that I try to pass on to our ministry leaders and uh, theology students that we're pouring into, we have 10 of them, is I'm one of those guys that is disgruntled with the church. Like, There's a lot of things I look at and I think, why do we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again? Um, but one of the things that I try to encourage people with is just you know, learn to learn to influence people. And I think that's a skill set that I was taught. I was lucky I was taught before I came to pastoral ministry. And, and in essence, leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter wh where you are, like whether you're not a Christian and you're in a workplace, if you learn how to influence, you can make change there. Uh, if you're just a, a, an attendee of a church and you, you're not an elder or a board member or not a pastor, it doesn't mean you cannot influence change. Um, learning, you know, just being equipped to on how to influence um, can really bring change uh, into into your environment. And for me, I hate where we're at as a church. I look at it and I think our system is broken. Um, you know, there needs to be a tweak in the system because the system that we currently have as pastors it makes us competitors yeah. rather than collaborate with each other. Um, and that's the way the system is. And, and so for me, it's kind of like I could just give up and be angry or I could learn to influence my own context so that when I do speak, uh, people can, you know, will, will take notice and listen. And, and so for what we've done here in two years, um, it's really just come down to learning how to influence. And I do that at home, you know, with my, with my kids. It's just learning how to influence them and their lives. And then it just flows out into my workspace as well. Mm. That's, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's not it's not a skill set. People go, so what's your gift? I know how to I know how to influence, you know? <laughs> but in today's day and age, it's it's the language because when you talk about social media, you know, a lot of these a lot of these um, companies, what they do is they jump onto Instagram and they find out who is the main influencer in a particular area that they're going into. And all they do, they just type in the postcode and then they find out who's got the most followers. And then they know that that person is an influencer. And so then they send a DM to that person and say, we're coming into your local area. Would you endorse this product? Mm -hmm. And if that person says yes, that's how they get instant influence into that area. And they call these guys influencers. So it is the language of today. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why this generation is so powerful without having any titles it's because they've learned how to influence um, in any area that they find themselves in. Wow. <laughs> that is so cool. Man, I have absolutely loved these thoughts today, Nimrod. So thank you so much for your time and coming on with us and um, no chatting worries. and getting real. Um, it's been awesome. 
Now, thanks for having me. It's been good. Um, you know, I get nervous about these things, but the chat's been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, good. I, I'm a shy introvert, man. I keep telling my church I hate preaching, but, I, you know, it's a necessary evil for me. And uh, But this has been good. I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and I know God's blessing. So if people want to get in touch with UNIMS um, and Avondale College Church, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, you can go to our, our website, collegechurch.info. Uh, you'll be able to track me down there. Uh, it's got my email and my contact details. So that's probably the easiest, just collegechurch.info. Awesome. Well, we'll have all those in the show notes. Once again, Nims, thank you so much. This has been awesome. No worries, lads. God bless. Thanks for all you do. Oh, my heart. That was so good. <laughs> You know, Nimrod, one of the things that I really appreciate about him is he's a leader's leader, you know. Mm. He, you know, you have pastors, pastors, and um, he is definitely a leader's leader. Whether you're a pastor, whether you work in the business world, whether you're a teacher, wherever you find yourself, if you work in any way in, in leadership, and by the way, if you don't think that you're a leader, that doesn't have to hold you back because as he said in the interview, influence is leadership or leadership is influence. Yeah. The, the two are kind of... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're exchange, uh, interchangeable. Um, so if you uh, find yourself in, a, in an, a situation, in a place where you can exert influence, you're a leader. So I would definitely encourage you, if you, if you want to, go back and listen to it again because I think there are so, so many um, incredible nuggets that just got dropped here and there. Um, so yeah, just want to thank you, Nims, for your amazing, amazing interview. Um, I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess and just adding to that leader thing, I think everybody is sort of more of a leader than they think they are. You have the Definitely. opportunity to lead in so many spheres of life that nobody else could. So, um, yeah, I, I love that. It's awesome. Um, so, guys, you know that GC is next year, 2020. So, hashtag Nimrod for GC president 2020. Nimrod for <laughs> GC president. <laughs> That'll be amazing. Yeah. That'll be amazing. And yeah. I don't know if we've actually talked about this on the podcast yet, but I will be going to GC, so I will definitely... I, he I will, can't stop saying it. He I just will cannot hand, stop. Hey, it's an honor. I'm so honored. I am privileged. It is just... Oh, my heart is overflowing. Anyway, what I was going to say, it wasn't to like, you know, pump me up, but um, I will hand deliver the nomination for Nimrod as GC president is what I was going to say. I just rock up and just say, here. I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You just put it on a little like, you draw it on a piece of paper and <laughs> fold it into a paper plane and throw it down to the stage. <laughs> Mr. Like, Chairman, <laughs> I demand that you respond to my motion. That's so funny. Because that's how this works. For real, man, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. It's going to be crazy, but I'm, I'm honored to go. I'm honored yeah. to be part of it. Honored to be amongst it. So as it gets closer, I guess all of our friends in uh, where is it Indianapolis? I don't even know. I don't know where that is. Uh, Indiana, Indiana. I don't know where. It's uh, in America. It's, it's in the Mid East. So it's bordering. It's bordering. Um, there are like fifty states, dude. It could okay. be any one okay, of them. Okay, okay, okay. I get <laughs> enough. Um, no, it's bordering. What's the state that has Chicago in it? Illinois. That's where. That's where uh, Matt Lucio's from. Illinois, uh. I believe. Um, shout out uh, Adventist History Podcast. So it's bordering Illinois, Maryland, and and New York. No, Washington. Ah, I don't know. I feel like all of our American listeners are just appalled right now. I think that it's we also bordering know. Texas, but and if I possibly would've... Washington. 
state. If I were to ask our American California? listeners, okay, where is Victoria in Australia? They wouldn't know. No, no one knows. I nobody don't even knows. know. Yeah, no, like literally nobody <laughs> no knows. That's what knows. I mean. <laughs> and Tasmania, urban legend. <laughs> it just it it's just a myth. It's and a figment. It stays that way. It's a figment, figment of, of our collective imaginations. <laughs> Pure imagination. <laughs> <laughs> we are so off. Yeah, hey, uh, well, 2019, off to a strong start, okay? Yeah, it started strong. I yeah. don't know where we're going and, now. Yeah, okay, <laughs> well, we should give up while we're ahead. Hey, anyway, so if you haven't left a review yet, we love it when people li- read... We love it when people leave reviews on our podcast. It really helps. Um, check out social media. We're there. We're doing stuff. Instagram is fleshing out a bit more. It's all happening. So, guys... Check out the website. Jump into it. Yes. The the Facebook and the Instagram. That's where we're at. Yeah. And if people ask you, you know, where do I listen to Burn the Haystack? Just point them to the website. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. So, anyway, that is Josh and Jesse out. Thank <laughs> you.